Last week, I began a new series of messages as I was directed by the Spirit of God on the inside. And the title of this series is, It's Already Done. It's Already Done. Read with me in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, uh, what I want to, again, remind you of and point out is the past tense uh, verbs in this particular verse. The Bible says that He has blessed us. Is that different than He's going to bless us? It makes all the difference in the world. And, and, and what we need to understand in order to walk closely with the Lord and walk in all the benefits that He provides is the, is the tenses. We need to understand the past tense nature of the finished work of redemption. And too often we fall into the trap that many believers do in waiting on God to do what He's already done. They put off into the future and hope uh, for things to change in their lives. And the unfortunate word about that, well, it's not unfortunate in the outcome, but the unfortunate word initially is that if you're waiting on God to change things for you or to do something in your life, you're going to be waiting a long, long time called forever. <laughs> because he, He's not about to change your life in this regard. He's not going to fix what you're going through if you're going through something bad. He's not going to come in and change. If you've been waiting for years and, and, and waiting for God to do something, um, it's not going to happen. But the good news is this. It already has happened. All right. There is nothing concerning um, your life that God forgot about. There is no curse that he wasn't already dealt with in Christ on the cross. There, there, there is no blessing that has been withheld uh, from your life, but it has all been taken care of in Jesus. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, it really was taken care of. And when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, it really was done. And that's the understanding we need to grow into and, and, and gain in our minds, recognizing the past tense nature of God's blessing, and it'll stop us from trying to get what we already have. It'll try, stop us from trying to, to get what, what, what already is. I like the word is. It's one of my favorite words now. <laughs> you might think I'm a simpleton. <laughs> Couldn't you choose a little bigger word than that? I, I just like is. <laughs> is. Because it, it, it references um, what God has already done for me in my life. And if I get a hold of that and understand it, it'll change the way I relate to Him. Again, I'll stop trying to get. I'll start, stop waiting on God to do something that He's already done. Couple interesting questions we might consider. Are we without God or has He already come into our lives? I think most of us would say, oh, no, no, God's already in my life. But the sad reflection of how people live is that too often they pray, they read, they sing as if God's not there. It's reflected in so many worship songs, it's reflected in so much supposed Bible teaching that comes really comes oftentimes from an Old Testament. Uh, 
But it is people live as if God is out there but not here. They're trying to get God to be with them, to go with them, to, 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 to help them. And not acknowledging the reality that He already is, He already has, He's already done it. And getting into a place where we have a mindset of a finished work. And that there's nothing else that He needs to do. Are we waiting on God to act or is He waiting on us to do something with what He has already done? So I'm just waiting on God. Well, you know, He might be just waiting on you. I mean, that's something we ought to consider. We've discussed in various times past in different series how, how the relationship we have with God is two, bi-directional. It, it goes both ways. It's not just about us talking to God. It is about Him talking to us. It's not just about us uh, waiting on him, it is about us waiting on, about him waiting on us. And so often that's the case. But when we come into an understanding of what already is, then we start acting as if it's so. Our prayer lives change, our worship services change, the way that we conduct ourselves completely changes. Much of the body of Christ lives in a state of waiting on God for something to do, uh, waiting on God to do something for them. Either God is ignoring us, or He already gave us what we need, and we simply need to appropriate it. Meaning, it's here, it just needs to be accessed. It just needs to be laid hold of. Remember, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, lay hold of eternal life. We just need to grab what's already here and start to use it. Okay? It's a, again, it's a different mindset than what uh, many have. But I, I like to think of it as simple as the air. Don't you like air? I really like the air. I know I'm really deep today. I like is and air. <laughs> Oxygen. I value breathing. <laughs> but how many know that if, if I didn't believe that there was any air in the room, let's say I, came, I walked into this room and I didn't believe there was any air, I would act much different. I would hold my breath. I would be very still. <laughs> I wouldn't want to exert anything beyond necessary to keep my heart beating. And on the inside, I would be praying and crying out for air. I would be saying, God, give me air. Help. But I couldn't say it because I'd be using the air more than necessary. So I'd be like, oh, God, help me. Give me some air. Give me some air. That is if I didn't believe there was any air in here. But what if there was air? but I just didn't believe there was any air in here, then that same situation would be true. I would not use the air, right? But thank God there is air. And because I know that there's air, there's an abundance of oxygen. There's no limited supply. In fact, none of us have probably, we probably, you know, unless you smelled someone's perfume or something, you haven't even thought about it for a long time. You just breathe. It's as if there's an unlimited supply. It's as if it's not measured out. And we're not concerned about using someone else's air. We just act like it's everywhere. There's air, and I can just... <sighs> nice. And if I want extra, you know, if I want to exert myself, get my body going, I'm going to use extra air. And I never, I never feel bad about it. I don't feel guilty, huh? If I want to, if I want to exercise, you know. In fact, 
the, 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 the quantity of air that's available has never kept me from exercising. <laughs> Lest you think, you know, hey, he's just real, you know, responsible. <laughs> just being a good steward of the air. No, I live my life as if there's never a lack never a shortage, that there, there, there will always be plenty of air for me to breathe. Think about it. If we could acknowledge God in the same way, we could acknowledge the un- unlimited resource of His grace and power. Do you know that there's no shortage? <laughs> that there is, ne- there is never a lack of His grace and power? Really, we talk about air. I mean, ultimately, that is limited. It's just so much beyond our need that we don't think about it. God's grace and power, His love and ability, there is no limitation to that, ever. I mean, anywhere you go in the whole universe, there He is. I mean, you can't hide. He's just there. And His grace and power and ability. So how would that affect our lives? Just like we're not trying to breathe, we're not concerned about our next breath and where it's going to come from, when we can acknowledge the vast resource of heaven, the all-presence of God Almighty and His grace and ability, we will start living a totally different way. It's like we're not limited anymore. Let's just, here's an idea, use it. Just like we use the air. Just like if we need extra, we just don't think about it. We just use extra. We just use more. What about if we need more grace, more power, more presence, more uh, of who God is? In our, well, you can't use Him up. You're not at the bottom of the, the bottle there and let's shake for a while. And No, no, no. He, is, he just is. And it's called healing. It's called blessing. It's called joy. It's called strength. It is provision. It is everything we need. It is just who God is. And here He is. Right here, right now. Not distant from us. Let's not talk to Him like He's far away. Let's not sing and say, Lord, come. Let's not say, Lord, send us power. We need more power, Lord. We need... No, 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 no. He is. Power is present. The grace of God is. Amen. You like my word now, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, everything you need just is. It's because the work is finished. It's because it's already done. The curse has been broken. The devil has been defeated. Sin has been washed away. By his stripes we were healed. And all these things are present tense realities that when understood, we can just start using them. We start accessing them by faith. And so we move from a place of trying to get something to come to a place of appropriation. We just appropriate what already is, what has already taken place. Okay, the end result of this revelation is we stop trying to get what we already have and start using it. Have you ever lost your keys in your hand? And you looked all over and you yelled at a couple people, who took my keys? I set them right here. Where are they? And after a few moments, you felt kind of dumb as you, as, as you, as you recognize you had your keys in your hand your, the whole time. I think likewise, it's true with spiritual things. It's true with, with redemption and all God has provided for us. It's already there. It's already done. You've already got it in your hand. And it's like, 
Oh, why don't you go out and start your car? Don't pray about it. Just do it. Hmm. Don't need to beg God. Just, just do it. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Short turn there from Ephesians. Colossians chapter 1. So you don't have to, you know, use up too much of the oxygen getting there. <laughs> Colossians 1 and verse 13. I want to emphasize again continued past tense realities. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us. He has what? Delivered us. Notice the tense though. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Are we under the power of darkness then? No. No. Let me ask you about a physical truth or reality. Are there Christians, are there children of God today living under the power of darkness? Yes, but has he delivered us from the power of darkness? Yeah. Well, which one's right? Huh? How can this be? So what do you mean the power of darkness? I mean everything evil. I mean everything limiting, everything that's bondage, every, every disease, every lack, every depression, all the junk that clouds people's lives and ruins their lives. It's the power of darkness. God didn't create it. You can't go to Genesis 1 and find the day when he created depression. Find the day when he created cancer. Are you listening to me? That's not, that is the power of darkness. Have we been delivered from the power of darkness? Yeah. And see, there seems to be a, a separation sometimes between what we experience and what is. And if we can move our believing and our heart's position away from what we see and feel and back to what is... Watch things break off. Bam, bam, bam. Just like that. You may be in bondage today. You may be struggling, addicted. You may have, you may have problems in your physical body. Or you, maybe you can't quit smoking or drinking or, or whatever it is. Or maybe you live with a cloud of depression in your life. But you know what? You've already been delivered. Do you know you're already set free? Well, no, someone said, no, I can't help myself. It's, I've been trying. I've been trying for a long time. Let's get away from trying just like we stop. We're not trying to breathe. Let's get into the revelation of truth of what God has already done and just accept that it is. And just like that, you realize just like that without any heavy-duty prayer, without any major rebuking and casting out, that someone is free, that someone is changed, just like that. I'm not talking hypothetical, this could be, this might happen someday, that I heard a story once upon a time. I'm talking right here, right now. The moment you accept the truth that you are delivered, you're now free. You're absolutely free from this moment forward. Yeah. See, the things in the physical world that we sometimes bow to and worship, we have great respect for disease and great respect for trouble and problems and all this stuff. Man, we're not supposed to think that way. This physical world is so bendable and pliable and changeable. It's like, it's like Play-Doh. You can move it around and change it. It's the Word of God that is forever settled in heaven. It is the work of Christ that will never be changed. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His words will never pass away. And we start basing our lives upon eternal truth and eternal things that never change. Watch this body start to change. Watch your circumstances start to mend. Watch things start to come together like they never did before. But we have given such honor to things physical. Oh, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. I know it's true. I saw it with my own eyes. Listen. Listen. 
What you see is not real. What you see is, it's, I almost want to act like, it's not even there. It's just physical. It's not like it's the real stuff. <laughs> you know how the world thinks just the opposite of that. Well, if it's physical, if you can see it, that's real. Ah, if it's physical, that means it's changeable. If it's a phys- in the physical world, that means it can be bent. It can be altered. It can be removed. It can be, you know, the power of God is what's real. He's the source and creation of all. Anything can be changed. So let's not have respect for this world. Nothing in it. Let's respect God Almighty and His Word. And let's be the dominant people that we're supposed to be. We are children of God. We're not just scum of the earth, just worms of the dust, powerless, just unable to accomplish anything, unable to do anything. No, 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 no. Children of the Most High God, full of His Spirit. We got His Word in our mouth. It's like a sword of the Spirit. It changes circumstances and physical realities. Let's just start living out of what is. Hmm. So I didn't read the rest of that verse, but he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us. That means like transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So where are we in the kingdom? Not going to be, not part way in, not going to get there someday. Already there. Already, you, if you've received Jesus, you've, you're already in the kingdom. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You didn't climb up in. You didn't strive to get there. You said, I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross. I confess him as my Lord. And God picked you up and put you in. And now we're just in. Not trying to get in. Again, not part way in. Totally in the kingdom of the Son of His love. Surrounded by His acceptance and love. It can't get any better than this. It can't get any better than to be surrounded by His love. Amen, amen. So again, these are not future tense events. These are not things we're looking forward to. These are things that exist right here, right now. If Back to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians, the first chapter. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to see some more of this language so we can be established in this truth. This is not an obscure teaching. This is not something I concocted from a half of a verse somewhere. Uh, You know, I want you to understand, this is a major Bible teaching, even if it's new to some of us. Uh, Ephesians 1, verse 19, this is in the middle of a prayer that Paul prayed. He, he prayed here, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, so all past tense stuff, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. I want you to notice that language, and seated him. What is Jesus' present tense posture? He is seated this is a spiritual position he is seated at the right hand of God meaning what it means he's done working that means all that he came to do which how many know that was all related to us it was all related to the problem that we were in as a result of sin okay all that he came to do he did that means Nothing else left for him to do in relationship to our redemption. In relationship to our victory, to us overcoming. 
Everybody with me today? Okay. He is seated. It's like he had a hard day at work. Was in the, was at work all day long. Got home that night. Got near his favorite chair and sat. And the kids came and said, help me with this. Let's go do this. Help me here. And he said, nope. I already sat down. <laughs> I'm not getting up anymore. In other words, what I've done is done for the day. Okay, this is the position that we have in Christ. Another verse that's related to that is Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2 reads, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so again, we see that Jesus is in a position of being seated, meaning there's nothing else for him to add to what he's done. Okay, And if he did everything on our behalf, there's nothing else he has to get up to do for you. Lord Jesus, come. No, 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 no. He already came. He's not coming again. Well, I mean, he's coming again. He's not coming again to redeem us. He's coming again, the second coming of Christ, of course. But he's not coming again to, to fix anything that was left out of the cross. And left out of what he did. It's already done. Okay. He sat down, it is finished, and that's what being seated indicates. It is a work of redemption that has already come to a place of, and he's already come to a place of rest. I, I think of it in different ways. It's like the, the end of the season party. You know, you played baseball all year, and the season is over, and now let's rest. In other words, let's have a party. Now, I want you to think about this. What should be the main attitude, the main emphasis of the Christian's life today in their relationship with God. And, here, and I'm talking about our gatherings. I'm talking about us individually. Uh, what should be the main theme? Now, now, now here, here, here's, what I'm, here's where I'm going. I believe in repentance, which is a turn, which is a change. I believe in consecration, dedicating our lives to the will and plan of God. There's a lot of good Bible subjects to talk about, to, to sing to the Lord, to commit to Him. But I don't believe those are the main focus in our day. The main focus is this. It is a celebration. We live and are supposed to live in a perpetual state of thanksgiving, of victory, of shout, of it is done, of God is on the throne, my life is changed, my sins are forgiven, the bondage is broken, I am free. And it, there should be a major theme within church groups, within churches around the world, that, man, they are happy. Yeah, well, what do you mean? They have a note of victory. There's, a, there's a, a bounce in their step. There's a smile on their face. When they come together, it's not happy in the foyer, but sad when you get in the main auditorium. And then as soon as you leave, everything is good again. No, this ought to be the happiest place in the world. Not Disneyland. Not Di no, here. Here. Or places like this where people have recognized what Jesus has already done. And we know nothing else needs to happen. I am complete in Him. I've been given victory. I've been delivered from the power of darkness. Oh, happy day. Come on now. 
This is the way we're to approach Him. Those on our worship team and our different bands know this, that I value happy songs. That doesn't mean all of our songs. You know, we do the dedication songs and worship and all. But happy songs meaning rejoice, meaning victory. We're not just going to come in and be all contemplative. That's not a, an accurate picture of the finished work of Christ. So much of our lives need to revolve around, whoo, glory to God, it's done, the devil's defeated, I am alive in Christ, I forever will be. That should be a theme of our lives. If we find ourselves coming into church and it's just all sad, it's all, uh... listen, understand, we are missing it somewhere. We're totally missing it if that's our mentality. We do not have the revelation of what we're talking about. But when you start smiling in the face of trials, junk going on in your life, but no, it's already done. Oh, glory to God, it's already done. Thank you, Lord, I have the victory. We stop trying to get it to go. Stop trying to get God to move. We just live as if there's plenty of air. Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking about, there's another verse. I totally put too much information in this message. <laughs> well, it keeps coming to me as we talk, but I, I was sharing this in, in one of the other services last night, I think. But you remember the scripture over in Romans chapter 8 that says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't that great? How can you be more than a conqueror? I mean, you think about it, are you either a conqueror or you're a conquered? I mean, if there's a battle you either won or lost, where does this more than a conqueror business come in? And I remember many years ago hearing someone illustrate it um, with boxing, and I thought that was great. And that's, the illustrations always stayed with me. I've used it from time to time. But a, but a boxer, you know, uh, has to train extensively. And it can be quite a grueling uh, challenge to be prepared to stand, you know, several rounds or more uh, and be given everything you have to both defense and and knocking someone else out and you have to be in really really good physical condition uh, to be an effective uh, successful boxer and so many of these guys they'll train for long periods of time getting ready for the big fight and they'll be watching their diet and their exercise and, and everything is just real regimented they go through a lot and when they get to the actual deal uh, the actual fight, uh, it's quite grueling. And after, it, you know, it may go quite a few rounds. And at the end of that, they are toast. <laughs> but someone's going to come out on the on the winning side. They're either going to knock the person out or they're going to get a decision. And, and they're going to be crowned the champion. Not crowned, but they usually give them a belt or something. Uh, they give them a belt and they give them a check. <laughs> and uh, the check is their winnings for professional boxers. And, and, and so they're tired, they're worn out, but they did it. They feel good about it inside. They are what you might call a conqueror, right? They have, there's a conquered and there's a conqueror, and that's a good thing. So who's more than a conqueror? Well, that would be um, the boxer's wife. Because as soon as he comes out of the ring and she gives him a big hug and says, way to go, you're so good, and she grabs the check. <laughs> now, what is she called? 
more than a conqueror. <laughs> that's the only way you can be more than a conqueror. And how many know that's exactly what happened with Jesus? He went to the cross. He suffered the, the, the shame, the guilt, the, 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 our sin upon Him. He took care of it all. And then He came out of the grave and there we are. <laughs> Thank you. And of course, He's handing it over to us. Now we are more than conquerors. We have the benefit of everything that He did without having to do it. He defeated Satan and we benefit. Amen, amen. Isn't that, isn't that good? That's why, again, we live in a perpetual state of victory. Here's one of the things I was going to share, and I had to do this in the other services as well, but I, we won't take time to read it, but I'll give you the reference. It's Leviticus 25, 8 through 13. Le- Leviticus 25, 8 through, through 13. You'll find in that passage of Scripture, it references a thing called the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. Now, uh, what that was in their day, uh, God established this for, his, for Israel that at the end of 49 years, there would be at the 50th year a year called Jubilee. See, God valued inheritance, and when He brought them into their promised land, He divided up the land, and each tribe, uh, each based on the sons of Jacob, had a, were given certain uh, property. And God really wanted those properties to stay within those allotted tribes. And different things would happen, and sometimes people would lose their property, or sometimes people even had to, they even lost themselves, and they sold themselves into, into slavery because they couldn't pay their debts and so forth. They would themselves become indebted, they would become enslaved, they would lose their, their inheritance. But at the year of Jubilee, what happened is God said, everything's going to go back. Everything's going to go back. And so you may have been born. You may be a son of someone who's a, or a daughter of someone who's a slave. But when the year of Jubilee came, you walk away from it. You walk away from all your, all your debts and all those bondages and you just leave. I mean, you're working for someone and, and you hear do 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 and the trumpet sounds and it's the year of Jubilee. You say, see ya. Bye. Nice knowing you. You leave. And you go back to your inheritance, and you knock on the door and say, Hi, I'm back. I need you to pack up and leave, because this is my property. And you get back everything you lost. Does that sound like a God thing? That you get back what you've lost. Yeah, and the picture here is that of redemption. Because again, you didn't earn it, in fact... You probably made some bad choices, <laughs> got you in those predicaments. But by the grace of God, you just walk right back into it. Jesus used this when he taught about the anointing on himself. It's Luke chapter 4. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. One of the things that God anointed him to do, you know what it was? It was to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That was referencing Jubilee. And people knew. He's preaching this acceptable year, meaning from this time forward, we live in a perpetual state of victory, of jubilee, where you get everything back. When it's because of the work of Christ that he was about to accomplish, that power of God is released to everyone. And no matter what bondage you have been in, now you're free. Just like that. Well, why? What do I need to do? You just need to be alive when the trumpet sounds. (laughs) You just need to be on the earth when the time comes. And good news about this, the time has come. 
In fact, we got verses. Uh, here, here's an example. Um, let's see. Second uh, mm-hmm. uh, Corinthians six two. Second Corinthians six two. For he says, "In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you." Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When is that? Now. It's one of those isms. Right? It's one of those is words. It's not something put off into the future. Now is the time when we're accepted. Now is the year of Jubilee. So what year? Like this year? Yeah, this year. Anytime you read that. Now. It's an accepted time where God embraces us, not because of our good deeds or our earning it, but because of what Jesus did for us. On our behalf. Now we have the victory. Now we're more than conquerors. Now we have our, our, our healing. You know, Jesus used that statement about preaching the acceptable year of the Lord in connection with physical healing. You read the context there about the Spirit of the Lord being upon Him. And so, all prisoners and captives, now we're free. See, this is the emphasis. This is what we see through type and shadow. We see through the reality of new covenant principles and, and revelation re, uh, that has come to us that we live in a continual state of jubilee, perpetual victory in our lives. Every day, it's true. Say, well, I got this bondage. I got this problem. But, but, but you have victory. Say, well, I've got this, this physical issue going. Yeah, okay, I know that's true in the physical realm. I just don't worship the physical realm i just don't have much respect for it i just don't give it dominance over my life you have victory i value what god has said above everything else and so you got a problem fine but you have victory you have deliverance you have freedom you have you have the answer praise god already it's already done that's that's helped me in my personal life to overcome various challenges at times that very phrase, I've just said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> it's already done. And I refuse to try. I don't let myself get stressed. It's helped me so much to really operate in the God kind of faith. Where I just, thank you, Lord. You are more abundant than the air. Your grace is everywhere. And I just accept that it is. And you start to expect favorable opportunities in your life. People in the world think, ah, stuff goes wrong all the time. You know, things happen. And uh, no, no, no. Blessings happen. God happens. Grace happens. Victory happens. That's what we learn to expect until we don't even hardly think about it. It's like the air. It's the grace of God. It's His provision for your life. It's opportunities that come before you. It's wisdom from heaven. It's just there. We just live in it. So what do we do? We say thanks a lot. <laughs> we worship and we shout. We have a smile on our face. Woohoo! Glory to God. We're happy campers. And we have victory every day. Always. Who am I talking about? You. Me. This is true for you right now. Please accept this. This is true for you right now. You've got it. You don't have to have, you're not waiting on God for anything. Not waiting on Him to come through to you, for you. You just have it. If you've received Jesus. If not, you can receive Him in a moment.
And then you get it all. Bam! Just like that. The whole buffet. Let's go to Ephesians 2. We'll finish here. Maybe you're still there. Or near there. But if Jesus is finished trying to get it done and I'm in Him, then I'm finished too. Ephesians 2, verse 5. Verse 4 says, But God who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Verse 5, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. What does that mean, alive together? That means when Jesus was raised from the dead, so were we. He says, By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. Raised us up together. So it's not Jesus has been raised and he left us down. Well, Jesus is alive, but we're toast. No, he raised us up together. Easter is our resurrection day too. It's not just about Jesus being raised from the dead. It's about us in Christ being raised from the dead. Yeah. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Verse 6 again. And raised us up together and made us to sit. To what? sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only did Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father indicate that the work was done, you know what it also means? That it's done for you, and it's done for me. Not only is Jesus seated, I'm seated. You're seated. Now we're all resting. Now we're all kicking back saying, thank you, Lord, it's done. Hallelujah, I got the victory now. Yeah, we're seated. That is the present tense spiritual condition of every person who's accepted Christ. But if we don't know that there's air in the room, we're going to hold our breath and pray hard to get it. And if we don't know that victory is won, we'll live as if we're in bondage. The person who became a back back to the back under the coming up to the time of jubilee the person who was in bondage person who was a slave the person who was in debt if they weren't watching the calendar they didn't know about that accepted day that accepted time which back then was a year but now it's forever if they didn't know about that they would perpetually stay in their position of bondage they would continually be ruled over by another unless they found out hey i'm free I just have to rise up and go and get what has been paid for, what has been given back to me by right of jubilee. Likewise, for us as believers, as soon as we find out, now, now I breathe again. Now I know it's there. Now I know it's mine. Now I know I have access, and so I take it in. I receive all that God has given me. Say it out loud with me. It is is already done. Father, thank you today for your blessing, for your hand upon us. Father, thank you that you are here. You're in our lives today. Thank you that you're close to us now. Your blessing, your favor, your kindness, your love, your ability, your provision, your strength, all that you have and all that you are it is now in us today come on now if you need strength you need health you need healing you need you need victory in your life today just say this after me thank you father i have it now everything you've provided i accept and i receive i take it for myself now it is and now I'm free 
Oh, man, that's good right there. That's good. Things are changing in people's lives, even right there, that very quick statement of faith. There's change happening right now in minds, in bodies, circumstances, finances. Things are changing. It's just done. It just is. Thank you, Lord, for working in lives today. Thank you, Lord, for setting the captive free. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God is good.